0: Want more control over your life? You need more control over your money. Hi, I'm Jean Chatsky, and that's why I started the Her Money podcast. From understanding your money personality to taking steps to earn more, spend wisely, invest for tomorrow, and protect it all, I can help you get there. So join me, subscribe to Her Money with Jean Chatsky wherever you get your podcasts. The United States 2020 presidential election has been called by pretty much every organization that covers the event in any capacity, and while the final decision is not made until the special club that is the Electoral College has presented its final decision, it's apparent that Joe Biden will be the next president of the United States. This is the first time in almost three decades that an incumbent president has been voted out before serving a second term, and it has come in the midst of national and global catastrophes galore. To add fuel to a fire that threatens to ignite the global economy, the outgoing president has been vehemently challenging the results, which is casting doubt over the smoothness of the transition, the continuation of much needed government support, and the foundation of the nation's systems in their entirety. All this begs the question, either unwittingly or maliciously, how much damage could a president do to the American economy, and by extension, the global economy? There are checks and balances in place to control the influence of any one man in the United States around things that were relevant when those checks and balances were being written, but it must be remembered that economies back then were more dependent on successful harvests and a lot less dependent on tweets. Our modern economies are incredibly complex and incredibly fine tuned, but complex fine tuned things tend to be very easy to break and the outcomes of throwing a proverbial spanner into the works could be devastating. Thousands of people die when unemployment rises and many more people could lose access to healthcare, housing and livelihoods during even a minor period of economic turbulence. All of this is to say that a president waging war on an economy could be just as dangerous as waging war on a nation. So what kind of influence does a president have directly over the economy? Do they deserve the credit for things going well? And what could a president do to tank the economy if they really wanted to? Now of course, standard disclaimer time, this video is not going to be directed at any particular president specifically and it's more an exploration of the office itself. But come on, I know you guys aren't silly and yes these hypotheticals may very well be tested in the coming weeks, but either way we are not here to get political as much as it can be avoided. Trump's plans for 2021 could be claiming squatters rights in the west wing of the white house and that's none of our business beyond the impact it would have on the economy. This episode of Economics Explained was made possible by our fans on Patreon. If you would like to gain early access to these videos before they're uploaded to YouTube, as well as participate in exclusive Q&A sessions which are now held every Saturday at 9.30 Eastern Standard Time, please consider supporting our channel at patreon.com economicsexplained economics explained. Now one of the final press conferences that will be held by the current presidential administration was a victory lap of sorts to celebrate the Dow Jones Industrial Average passing 30,000 points, which is the highest level ever. We have made many many videos discussing just how crazy these stock market records are during a global economic catastrophe, but one of the key takeaways of these videos was that the policies of the trump administration have been good for business. Things like the massive tax cuts rolled out in 2017 and the trillions of dollars in stimulus given directly to businesses in 2020 were only really going to pump up stock prices. But the stock market is not the economy and short term gains are pretty easy to facilitate even on a nationwide level. You just lower taxes and raise government spending and you're done. Of course this comes at the expense of taking on more and more government debt which could be the first major weapon a president could use to destroy their own economy They could go over the national credit limit. If you get a credit card it will be given to you with a credit limit that takes into account your income as well as your credit score. People who have higher incomes and have proven themselves to be responsible with money will be able to use credit cards with higher limits than someone who is only on a part time job and has missed a few payments here and there. The same kind of common sense approach is taken out with how much money the US government can borrow, and trust me, that's probably one of the few times that common sense and US government debt will be used in a sentence together. Anyway, the government wants to make sure it's not giving itself complete free reign to spend whatever it wants, so there is a control in place called the debt ceiling. This is a number set by congress that the government debt cannot exceed until it is raised. Now this figure is normally raised quite regularly because the American government has not had a budget surplus since 2001, so naturally it is taking on more and more debt over time. You might think, oh no this is really bad. Stories about taking on more and more debt normally end with sad garage sales and involuntary camping trips, and look, in reality it's not ideal, but government debt works very differently from personal debt, especially for the United States, because they are special. Go and watch our video on modern monetary theory if you want to learn more about how the actual mechanics behind this work. In reality, this government debt is just a running tally of the difference between government spending and taxation over the past two decades or so. Now another reason why constantly raising the debt ceiling isn't as scary as it might sound is just like a regular person, economies tend to make more money as time goes on. Some bottom feeding scum of society like a grad student should rightfully only qualify for a $500 credit limit with their no frills credit card. but. As they progress throughout their career and get a job with a decent salary they might upgrade and upgrade again and upgrade again until they get some upper management executive role with a whiz bang platinum american express with a limitless spending cap. In the same way the American economy has doubled in size since 2001 which means that there are more people making more money and paying more taxes, so the government has more capacity to repay a larger and larger debt burden. This might be part of the reason why in August of 2019 the debt ceiling was suspended entirely, meaning that America became the corporate executive with a no limit credit card. There was a catch though, this spending holiday had a deadline which will end in July of 2021 which is 7 months away, how did that happen? Now if this debt limit isn't raised or suspended again it could have some very serious impacts on the economy. Record spending on fiscal stimulus has meant that the balance of the government credit card is at an all time high and not being able to extend this limit will have some very serious consequences. For starters, it could stifle all government activities causing yet another government shutdown. These are major hiccups in their own right to the economy. People have more or less forgotten how serious the fallout of the December 2018 shutdown was because it got corrected quickly. But it could have easily sent the whole nation into a tailspin, especially if it hadn't occurred during a time of relative prosperity, which is where things could get ugly in 2021. The same kind of shutdown would have much more serious consequences because it would be combined with the halting of continued stimulus which is likely to continue to be necessary well into the new year. If public servants are out of work at the same time that government assistance dries up, it could make for a very bumpy ride indeed but not nearly as bad as what could happen in a potential doomsday scenario. If the debt ceiling was not altered quickly enough, it is possible for the government to lose access to enough money to make repayments on the money it already owes. Every few days the US treasury has to roll over its debt by replacing bonds that are expiring with new bonds that will pay off the old bonds, kind of like refinancing a loan on a much larger scale. Now the debt ceiling shouldn't actually matter to this process too much, because technically the old debt is being replaced by a new debt and the total outstanding liability has remained exactly the same, although this ignores potential accrued interest or possibly that investors might demand higher interest rates on government bonds from a government that is actively trying to suffocate itself. Now is this likely? Well no, especially in today's low interest rate environment, but it is possible. Has something like this actually happened? Well yes, sort of. In 1979 the treasury accidentally missed a payment on 122 million dollars to government bondholders. This was caused by a basic human error and was corrected within 24 hours and you might think ah well that's no big deal, but it was a big deal. A 1989 research paper later found that this minor slip up raised the cost of borrowing by 0.6% which may not sound like much, but if it was applied to the current outstanding debt today it would cost the government an extra $132 billion a year in interest. That's enough to pay for NASA six times over. This is also assuming that the cost of borrowing will only rise by 0.6%. There is a big difference between a human error that was swiftly corrected and a sovereign government playing chicken with itself for political points. In fact, it might already be starting to happen. In the same way that a credit card user that takes on too much debt or starts to get a bit shaky about repayments may lose points on their credit score, the US government's debt has already been downgraded from AAA to AA+. This downgrade was announced in August of 2011 and since then the government has not been able to reclaim its perfect credit score and in fact there are murmurs that in the light of the global uncertainty US bonds could be downgraded again. Now what does this have to do with the president? Or specifically a president hellbent on taking down their own economy. Well these credit extensions are passed by congress but they need to be signed off by the president. At this point a malicious head of state could just veto the changes to the debt ceiling or refuse to sign it, which is called a pocket veto. Congress can get around this by passing a law again with a two-thirds majority in both the house and the senate, but come on who are we kidding? Congress didn't pass a law granting life-saving treatment to 9-11 heroes by a two-thirds majority. This kind of politically heated fiscal bill would have no chance. Since 1789, less than 7% of presidential vetoes have been overturned by the United States Congress and a majority of those were overturned during a time when politics was slightly more partisan than it is today. Now the fallout of the US defaulting on its debt would be so catastrophic to the world economy that it is truly hard to speculate about what would actually happen, but it would make borrowing far more expensive for the government and it would potentially mean that the US dollar's de facto use as the world's reserve currency would be in jeopardy. You see major institutions, and we're talking about really big fish here, fortune 500 companies, sovereign wealth funds, and even entire nations all have cash, but they don't keep it in a regular old bank account like you or I, they note it as cash and cash equivalents. Apple for example is the most cash rich company in the world, it has more than 200 billion dollars listed on its global balance sheet as cash, but a vast majority of this money is kept in Ireland and it's kept in US government treasuries. Why Ireland you may ask? Well go and watch our video here, the short answer is tax shenanigans, It's, it's always tax shenanigans. Now the idea is that treasuries are so price stable and easy to sell for cash that they are basically as good as cash itself, hence cash equivalents. In fact for large piles of money they are actually safer than cash. Cash in a bank account is only guaranteed up to $250,000 by the federal government, but treasury bills are guaranteed by the government up to an unlimited amount of money on account of them literally being a guarantee by the government. Now this is all fine. but If there was ever an inkling that these bonds would not get paid, well, these big money institutions would look for more stable alternatives very quickly. Now you might be asking, Mr Economics man, did you just use the news cycle surrounding the election turmoil to trick me into learning about reserve currencies, debt ceilings, and corporate cash equivalents, and well, yes, but please still like the video, chances are that it will be more relevant information to you all than how to cook your own economy as a tyrannical head of state, or at least I would hope so. But I don't want you to be angry at me, so alright alright. Can Trump take the American economy down with him? No. Not really. Any major policy decisions will be made by the next administration and so too will the process of raising the debt ceiling. The senate might be able to cause some drama there, but that's not going to be at the discretion of the president. Congress isn't going to support some frivolous war and even threats directed at trade partners or specific companies are not carrying the same weight that they once did quack quack I suppose, but with the benefit of a bit more time, here is economics explain simple guide to destroying your own economy that you can do right now from home, assuming that this is your home. There are going to be three key areas that you need to take out, currency, industry and the skilled population. An economy can lose one or two of those three things at a time and still effectively bounce back. A skilled population given access to advanced industrial capital will be able to thrive and create a well respected currency. A smart population with a well respected currency will be able to buy up industrial capacity and even a nation with strong industry and currency but a less than stellar workforce will be able to bring in professionals from overseas or train up their own population. Even if a nation only had one of these things, they could fill in the blanks quite easily by leveraging that position. So starting with currency, we already saw how to do that. Run up massive debt and then don't pay it back, or alternatively print away all the value in the currency causing hyperinflation. With any luck you will then need to adopt a foreign currency as your own and be beholden to that country for all of your monetary policy decisions. Getting rid of industry is a little bit harder, unless you can convince the military to wage war on your own nation it's going to be difficult to directly remove the country's productive capacity overnight, instead what you should do is massively underfund infrastructure spending. So that bridges, highways, canals, railroads, shipping ports get to a point where they are no longer usable to increase the efficiency of the nation's workers. Now as for those workers, well you're going to want to cut off the supply of skilled labor by reducing funding for education and making tertiary studies prohibitively expensive, and it's probably also wise to reduce skilled labor migration as well just to ensure that none of those intellectual blanks get filled. If you can do all three of these things in unison, You will decimate the confidence that people have in the stability of the nation and be sure to cement the demise of your economy. Congratulations, you have completed the program. I hope you had short calls on SPY. Hi guys, I hope you enjoyed the latest video. If you did, please consider liking and subscribing. This video is made possible by our patrons over on Patreon, so if you enjoy these videos, please consider supporting the channel like these awesome people did. Thanks guys. Bye.